Good morning, Porch Community. It's good to see you guys, uh, especially hello to you in the auditorium. We got people watching us online. Uh, there'll be people listening in on the podcast. I'm Shannon. Uh, we just say this, like, however it is you're connecting, we're really glad that you are because, and I said this to our 930 uh, crowd, um, I, I say this a lot, but I think it's important for us to put it out there and to establish it and make sure that, that we know this. There's a reason that we exist, and the reason we exist is, is listen to this, okay, because I've said it a lot, but I want you to hear it. There's a God who loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And that's why we exist as a, as a church. And so what we say to that is, so we're going to follow Jesus for our community because that is huge. That's tremendous. That's really, really good news. And so this is why we're here and why we are a part of today. Um, so if this happens to be your first time in here or watching or listening, um, we're really glad that you are, and we hope that you will you'll connect with this and understand this about about who God is and why He wants to be in relationship with you. Um, so we are coming towards the end of this series called Doxy Praxy. This is week seven. Uh, next week we'll finish it up with with a uh, uh, week week eight. Surprise, surprise, it comes right after seven. Um, but we have been talking about doxypraxy, okay? So many of you guys know this. You've learned this. You know this now. But we've been talking about our orthodoxy, which means our right thinking, our right beliefs, our right understanding, and orthopraxy, which means right behaviors, right actions. And the whole purpose of all this is we are trying to get our understanding of who God is, our orthodoxy, to line up with our orthopraxy, with our behaviors. Because if, if we're saying one thing and doing another, there's an inconsistency there. Like we want our orthodoxy and orthopraxy to come together. And so the tagline for this series is what you believe determines how you behave. And likewise, how you behave, it reveals what you truly believe. So that if you are saying one thing and doing another, it's going to show, it, it's going to be revealed. So this is what we've been talking about. So we're going to be in First uh, John chapter 4. First John is the, the, the book we've been in as we've been in this doxypraxy. Okay, so First John chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. While you're turning there, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. I want to do a quick survey, and I really do want your response. So this isn't like rhetorical questions. And you can respond with a clap or a woot or a Amen, or whatever, or however you want to respond. You can bark if you want to, I guess. But I just kind of, I want to gauge kind of where, like, what are some things that are important to you, okay? So here's the first one. Does anybody here love football? Okay, you have put 930 to shame. Those people were like, it's like they were at a golf tournament. They were like, woo, yes. And I really try to, so good job. Okay, so we love some football. So I'll be a little more specific. Do we have, does anyone love some Vikings, some, some Lounge Vikings? Yes. Okay. Now, now, no booing. We're just, we're just wooting, okay? Anyone love some, some Wildcats? We need to love the Wildcats right now, okay? We just do. They need some love, okay? Um, by the way, does anyone love the, oh, shoot, what's in it? The Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, that's it. No, I'm kidding. I'm in I was waiting for a bark from my father-in-law, and I didn't get one, so he's thinking about it now. Um, okay, uh, let's, let's get away from sports for a minute. How about, anybody here love pizza? Oh, 
Yep, we guess, yep. All right. Does anybody love, and this was not a paid placement in the message, but does anyone love the burnt ends from Woodstack? Yeah, there you go. You're welcome, sir. Um, how about this? Anyone love the sweet tea from Zacadoos? They have good sweet tea, right? All right, a couple other things. Who loves the TV show Friends? Okay, not... <laughs> I thought it would go over better than that. How about The Office? Yes! <laughs> Such a good show. I love it. Okay, so that's all some good stuff. All right. Now, all I want to do right now is just go home and eat some burnt ends and pizza and watch The Office. Um, so here's what we're going to do. And the reason I asked that is we're going to talk about, guess what, love today. And we've actually talked about it quite a bit because this is pretty much all John talks about in the letter of First John. He talks about love over and over and over again. The word love occurs in just chapter 4, 32 times. And he creeps over into chapter 5 a little, like the first like sentence or two, 32 times. He uses the word love. In the entire book or letter of 1 John, he uses the word love 42 times. Now, to give you a little context, the word love is used in the New Testament 115 times. So close to 39, 40% of the times that the word love is used in the New Testament, it is right here in 1 John, and it is very significant. And I would say it's very significant for you and for me today in 2021. And the reason I say that is because we just established the fact that we love a lot of things. We take that word love and we attach it to a lot of things. We love a lot of stuff. And it's a wide range of stuff. Like we love a lot of things. Now, what does love really mean? If you have happened to be uh, someone who's gone on the Walk to Emmaus or Chrysalis or Journey or maybe Trace Dias or Curcio, there's a couple different versions, but it's like a three-day spiritual retreat, you have heard and learned about the definition of love that we're going to talk about today, and it's this word agape. It's the Greek definition of the word the kind of word that love that we're going to talk about today of God's love. And here's what agape means. It means it's willful. That means it's not, you weren't coerced into it. It means you choose to do this. It's willful, decisive, unconditional, and sacrificial love. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is the kind of love that God has displayed through Jesus Christ. So agape love, it's not based on feelings or any other things. Because see, there's a few other definitions of love in the Greek. There's a few other definitions. See, in our English language, we just say love and it just goes all over the place to a whole lot of things. But in the Greek, there's other definitions. So there's agape, which is God's love. And then there's Eros love, which is, it's physical, it's sexual in nature, okay? And then there's phileo, which I, every time I say it, I think phileo fish, I just do, but it's phileo and it means friendship, okay? It means friendship. And so um, let's learn a phrase together. I'm going to teach you a Greek sentence today. Um, I think you're going to recognize one of the words, but let's start with this first word. It's easy to do. Say moi. 
Moi, moi, okay, that's good. Um, now say heresy, heresy. All right, now together. Moi, heresy. Very good. And here's the last word, pizza. Moi, heresy, pizza. Go ahead. Moi, heresy, pizza. Here's what you just said. I love, do you know what you love? Pizza. Right? It's spelled different, but it's just, I love pizza. Now, here's the deal. The word heresy, moi, is me. It's, you know, heresy is not agape, it's not eros, and it's not phileo. Heresy in the Greek, when we say in the English, I love pizza, in the Greek, it comes out as I really like pizza. And the reason I taught you that phrase is because we take the word love and we slap it on to a whole lot of things that really we just like. We just, maybe we like a lot. We like, well, you know, kind of like the TV show Friends, eh, you know. But it's like, it's not love, and yet we throw the word love on there over and over and over again. And most of the things we say, actually, that we love, we don't. And so in 1 John chapter 4, what John is doing is he is describing the love of God. And it is not heresy. It is not he just likes us a lot. All right? And, and he's describing the love God has for us. He's describing not only that, but he's, he's talking about the love that we should have for other people. And again, it's not heresy. It's not just, hey, can you please be nice to other people? Like he's like, no, no, God has agape love for you, unconditional, sacrificial, like he chooses to do this, and we should have that same love for others. Oof. So, here we go. We're going to start in verse 7. We're going to look at a couple of verses, talk, verse, all right, so verse 7, verses 7 and 8 of 1 John 4. Um, he starts with dear friends. Now, depending on the version you read, this is the New Living Translation. If you have like King James or the ESV or a couple of different versions, it might actually say loved ones or beloved. And guess what? Guess what it translates as? It's agape. So even John, as he's addressing the people that he's writing this to, he's saying, I love you with the love that God has. Like, this is the kind of love he's actually, so he's kind of doing a little ortho, orthopraxy right here, okay? He's practicing this love. So he says, dear lo friends, loved ones, let us continue to love agape. Every time I said love this morning, it's going to be agape, all right? Let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. So we don't stir this up. Like, we stir up heresy all the time. We, we come up with a lot of things that we like. We can, we can, Eros, we can do that. Oh yeah, you're really good looking. You're smoking hot. Like phileo, hey, we got a lot in common. Let's hang out. But agape love comes from God and God alone. We don't make this up. It comes from him. We get to participate in it. That's the privilege. That's the awesomeness of it. But we don't make this up. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And then he gets really serious here. He says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I mean, these are, these are strong words. Anyone who does not have agape love 
for others does not know God. And then we're going to, let's move into verses 9 and 10 because this is why we are supposed to love one another. Okay, it doesn't, it, there's not stipulations here. It's just God has loved you, so you love others. And this is why he says that. Uh, verses 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us. And remember the definition sacrificial? He showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Unconditional, sacrificial. Interesting, I noticed uh, when I was doing a word study on this, um, is that in the Greek, the word love, agape, unless you're talking about God, you don't use the word agape. You use the other terms, okay? So you don't just say like, oh, I, I agape, you know, I don't know, couscous. I don't know, I'm trying to think of some Greek, I don't know. So like, uh, but you don't, you don't, like, you just, you don't say agape, except there's one exception, Parents of an only child will often refer to their child with agape love. They'll use that phrase. And isn't it interesting? Because God sent his one and only son to be a sacrifice for us. Agape. Sacrificial. Unconditional. Okay? And then he says, verse 10, and I love this because this is like, let's just get right down to it. This is real love. This is an eros, this is a phileo, this is an heresy, this isn't a bunch of other words we could find. This is real love. Not that we loved God because that would be, that would be insufficient, right? It, it wouldn't be enough. Real love is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son, agape, sacrificial, unconditional, as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is how much he loves us. And so, see, the love that God calls us to and that John is writing about, it's a self-sacrificing love. It is, it's not hypothetical. This isn't, hey, do your, you know, try do your best, and there's really no gauge for, you know, what this love really is, is this is real. This is, this, this is real sacrifice. I mean, love comes with a cost, friends. Love comes with a cost. Agape love comes with a cost. And it, and it costs our God. And it costs Jesus. And it's probably going to cost us at times. God sent Jesus to die for us. And so there's no mistaking here, and, and I know that I'm, I've been prone to do this, and maybe you have as well, that when someone, when you read, when you hear, when someone stands on the stage and says, hey, we should love other people the way God has loved us, and we kind of go, well, okay, but God, what do you really mean by that? Well, guess what? We go, oh, Jesus is what you mean by that. He's given us an example. Whenever we hear about, oh, you, we should live a life of sacrifice, we go, well, what do you... What does that mean? Like, what do you mean? Oh, Jesus is what you mean by sacrifice. Like, you gave up what was most precious for you for the sake of others so that they might know you. And so, he has shown us the way of love. So, now, in, in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10 are really 
orthodoxy. They are about, this is what we believe. This is how much God loves us. This is what love means. This is what it looks like. This is a proof that, that it's real, okay? It's this sacrificial love. It's right there. And then verses 11 through, we're going to go through like verse, I think, 15 or so. Uh, we'll look and see. Um, is about our orthopraxy. So this is our belief. And now here comes John's writing. How about some behavior that matches this belief? And, and so we start here um, in verse 11. Because I think this is important to note. Because God doesn't just give us an example of love. He actually gives us a command to love. So verse 11. Dear friends, there's that beloved again. There's the agape. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, the sacrificial, unconditional love, since he loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And then he says, no one has ever seen God, right? There had been glimpses of his glory and of his presence and, and maybe a manifestations in like clouds and fire and things like that. But no one has ever laid eyes on God. And John is writing this. And he says, but, and think about this. He says, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. So it's like, we've never laid eyes on God, but if we love like God, people will see God in us. And then he says, verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. God in us. And so if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. That is, that is powerful. And so here's what I want to, if we could love each other and care for each other in such a way that it would make, it would cause people who didn't know him to go, wow, God might actually be real. Like we were, if we were to express this agape love that we that God has given to us through Jesus, if we were to express that love and start to live out that kind of love in our lives, there are people who will go who see that in us and who realize that's not us, that's not our nature, that's not how we normally respond, that's not how we have acted in the past. Something is different. Where people would actually go, you know what, this whole Jesus thing might be legit. It, this might be real. This is what John is saying. And so um, here's the orthopraxy. Here's the behavior. Not just belief that God is love, but behavior that shows God is love. And, and here, behavior based on this belief that God has given us a living, dying, resurrecting example of, of love, and we can behave in such a way that this love is visible to other people. Wow. Friends, we can't know real love, agape love, apart from God. We just can't. We can't. It's impossible for us to know love apart from God, which is important because 
we cannot project our made-up, flawed definitions of love and project those on the God and His Word and expect it to stand up and be accepted by everybody else. We can't do that. And yet that's what a lot of people are doing. Because otherwise, if we start to do that, here's what happens. We start throwing things like football and pizza and TV shows and a ton of other things into this whole love thing, and we're going to be really mixed up. And here's what I mean by that. Because suddenly a plan that we loved It doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. Or suddenly our hopes that we loved for the future, suddenly they're not as clear as we thought they were. Or suddenly a person that that we loved fails us. And our world seems to fall apart. And because we have kind of just thrown on our very incomplete, flawed definition of love onto everything... When one of those things collapses, when one of those, those things fails, we ask in bewilderment, but God, I thought you loved me. And he's like, no, I do. I agape you. But all that other stuff isn't agape. You need to understand that I have this sacrificial, unconditional love for you, and through that, then you will see how I want you to love in all the other areas of your life. See, you don't trust me. You do not want me to define for you what love is. And and I don't want you to define it for me. I want God to define love. You need, you should desire for God to define love in your life, agape love. Because what if my idea of love and your idea of love, your definition and my definition, what if they don't agree? That's chaos, isn't it? Isn't that confusing? Doesn't that become confusing to, to, to humanity, to the world that we live in, if your definition and my definition are different? So we need agape love, the love of God, unconditional, sacrificial. That is real love. So I, w- I would ask you this question. Don't, don't you want to like, have an orthodoxy, a belief, of God's definition of love instead of what you have been trying to define as love? And don't you then want to have your orthopraxy? Don't you want to behave in such a way that God's perfect love is shown through you, in you, and through you instead of you offering what's limited? I mean, because you're limited. I'm sure it's wildly slanted. I'm sure it would be very inconsistent because you are not perfect, that it would be unintentionally self-serving at times or maybe intentionally self-serving at times. That kind of version of love, wouldn't you rather have an orthopraxy that says, I'm going to practice agape love because God has agape love for me. And this is not, again, I'm looking at, at the time we have. There's, there's, there's more on this I really want to talk about, but I want to honor you guys in the time we spend together. So shameless plug, but I'm going to talk about this more in our podcast that we do this week. So tune in if you want to listen to that. What we believe about God's agape love determines how we will behave 
with God's agape love. It has to. There's no way we can start to grasp that kind of sacrificial, unconditional love and get a handle on it just a little bit and it not affect how we view others, treat others, think of others, pray for others, sacrifice for others. Let's read verses 15 uh, through the beginning of verse 17. I'm going to start in verse 15 uh, for the, the screen. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. Okay, He's proven that. And we have put our trust in his love. So there's behavior happening here based on this belief. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And then ver- the beginning of our 17, which will be like our, our little sneak peek teaser for next week's final message of this series, and it says this, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect As you and I live in this love that God has shown to us, it says that our love will grow more perfect. Now, that does not mean that we will be perfection. What it means, this word perfect uh, perfect here is talking about maturing, maturing in our faith, growing in our faith, understanding who God is and living this out. And so we've talked about it a little bit, but we're going to talk more about that next Sunday, talking about being mature in our faith. Because if our orthodoxy is one thing, but we are immature in our orthopraxy, there's a huge gap there, and it's going to be recognized by everybody. And we're not going to have a witness. We're not going to have a message. We're not going to have something to offer to other people, which is what John is telling us we're supposed to be doing, because we believe one thing, but we're doing another. We need to mature Mature in our faith so that our orthopraxy, our behavior, starts to match what we say we believe. As the band comes back out here and we close our time together in worship, I just I want to say this. God loves us. God loves you. Agape. Not heresy. Not phileo. He's not just your friend. He doesn't just kind of like you. He loves you. And Jesus is proof of this. Jesus Christ and what happened on the cross is proof of this agape kind of love. And so you and I are invited into this. This is what John's writing about. This isn't just a recognition of, wow, how awesome is God? But now it's, hey, we get to be part of this. We get to be part of this. And once you and I start to be enveloped by this agape love, we will grow more and more in maturity. We will grow in our faith. And we'll start to obey the commands of God. That's what the scriptures say. And do you know what the greatest commandment is? (laughs) Jesus told us to love God and to love others. And when he said that, he said agape, agape. Vertically, agape. Horizontally, agape. That's following Jesus for our community. Let's pray together, porch community. God, thank you for loving us unconditionally, sacrificially, at great cost. 
We do not deserve it, but we thank you so much for it. Will you, right now in this moment, by your Holy Spirit, teach us how to love others the way you have loved us? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.